0: What's up? It's Jeffrey Lyles. You're rocking with Lyles Movie Files. Today I'm here by myself because I needed to go into a super deep dive talking about Dark Phoenix and its massive colossal failure at the box office. If you've listened to my show before, if you read my website. LilesMovieFiles.com You know I am a huge massive X-Men fan and I will go to war arguing that Dark Phoenix is the greatest in continuity comic book story ever. And basically that's a, there's a simple simple reason for that. Dark Phoenix is the culmination of a story that starts in the X-Men 101 through 108 and then picks back up and X-Men 129 through 138 so that's a span of a long you know, slew of issues right and it is so well done it, it tells basically the, the the rise of Jean Grey as she gets changed and adapted and evolves into this super ultra powerful being the Phoenix and how her new massive power affects the other new x-men so that's cyclops storm wolverine colossus nightcrawler and banshee for my money the absolute best x-men team ever maybe the best superhero team ever set up so i just broke broke it down as 15 issues of the phoenix saga and for some reason 20th Century Fox decided you know what we can do we can tell a story that was spread out over 15 issues in two hours and the crazy crazy thing the thing that just irritates me so much with these films both X-Men Last Stand and Dark Phoenix is they just try to shortchange and jump ahead like in both films the one right before it teases hints that hey Jean magically stumbled onto this phoenix force and now she's gonna get corrupted and become a super villain and that's just not how it is in the comic book I mean the comic is amazing like (laughs) it's so good the X-Men go off to space I'm sorry they don't go off to space they get kidnapped and attacked by Sentinels and three of them are taken aboard this space shuttle and they fight steven lang who's a super mutant bigot and he wants to wipe the planet of the mutant population with his mutant killing robots the sentinels and the rest of the x-men go into space to rescue their teammates uh nightcrawler wolverine and Jean, and they battle the these robot versions of the original X-Men, who are like, you guys are fake, you're liars, you screwed us over, you ruined the good name of the X-Men, and this X-Men team is still so young that they're like, wait, I thought we were friends, and it's so good, because that squad of X-Men, Storm, Wolverine, Colossus, Banshee, Nightcrawler, they're so... N- They're still not used to working alongside each other and they're trying to deal with the demands of Cyclops who's like, these guys are not my friends. They're not my childhood friends that I grew up with and formed this great team of heroes for all these years. So they've already got this, this, uh, this feeling of not matching up and not living up to the legacy of the X-Men, even though they're almost already better than them as a squad, they have more powers better set of powers and just overall more powerful so the x-men managed to defeat lang but this space shuttle is space station is about to get destroyed right so they have to leave and there's this big solar flare coming and it's going to wipe out everything and the one thing dark phoenix the movie gets right is that gene Goes all right. I'll take care of this. I will figure out a way to help everybody. And yeah, and so she does that. But in the comic book, which Chris Claremont, Dave Crockam, uh start off working on, and then John Byrne later came on, Jean takes in the Phoenix Force, and she becomes the mega powerful Phoenix it's not this immediate process of her becoming this crazy i'm gonna kill everybody and i hate the x-men it's this gradual process and it starts off where she's just tapping into this power that's so much greater than her normal abilities and initially it's like wow okay jane you've got some power now and Gradually, she starts getting more and more comfortable with it, and she's doing these amazing, incredible things. Like, they go to another side of the galaxy where they fight this, the Shiar Imperial Guard, and they get into this big throwdown with them. And in the X Men, you know, six of them at this point, but it's, the Imperial Guard is like 20, 25 characters deep, and they're starting to beat the X Men, right? And then. They get thrown into this Mkron crystal, them alongside the Starjammers, and it's going to destroy the galaxy. And Jane uses her Phoenix powers along with her help from the X-Men to restore this crystal, save the universe, and make sure everything's okay. And in the interim, they land, they're back on Earth, and then they get into this next big massive brawl with Magneto. And then Beast and Phoenix get separated from them. And then Cyclops and his crew are trying to get back to Earth. Or, I'm not back there. They're trying to get back to New York and to the, you know, figure out what happened and tell Professor X, hey, Gene and Beast are dead and we've got to make do. Meanwhile, Gene and And Beast thinks that the rest of the X-Men are dead. And with only two X-Men, and Beast is basically an Avenger at this point, there's no more X-Men. So Professor X heads out, and the X-Men are basically disbanded. And over this period of time, Jean goes on vacation, this new self-discovery trip. And she keeps encountering these memorable people, and they're imparting these little sage notes and dropping these little wise bits to her and it's like oh this is so cool and she doesn't know and we don't know at this point that these random people that she's encountering are actually Jason Wingard who is mastermind from the original Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and he is slowly working this long-form manipulation and we're going to see that paid off later but again this is something that takes a lot of time to develop and set up it's not this immediate thing where it's this quick payoff she has one conversation like we see in dark phoenix the movie and all of a sudden she's like a superhero villain um so in the comic book the next part the x-men get reunited surprise and they all come together and everything's great cyclops and gene are reunited the x-men are back in full form and everything is great but the hellfire club has decided now it's time we're going to get these we're going to take out professor xavier's mutants and this is the payoff of all that build up with mastermind who's who's got this illusion going so he can fit in with these more uh dignified hellfire club members so they start this two-pronged attack where they're going after two new mutants one is kitty pride the other is dazzler so the x-men split up to save these mutants and and it doesn't work out so well for a change and the x-men actually end up getting kidnapped and and then the x-men find out that hey shoot jason wingard's influence over gene has come to a boiling point and she turns on the X-Men and she becomes their black queen. And it's so good because we see all like Cyclops has to fight. Cyclops has to have this duel uh, for Jean's heart and mind with Mastermind. It's just really cool. It's it's a great saga. It's got maybe the best panel or the best showcase of Wolverine and his entire history where he's fighting Uh, Leland who has gravity control powers and he sinks Wolverine to the floor because of his adamantium uh skeleton and then Wolverine emerges from the sewer and he's like all right bub now it's my turn it's just it's the iconic Wolverine shot and so then we started this payback and X-Men managed to beat the Hellfire Club with Gene's help and it's like whew that was a rough one guys but the problem was masterminds influence the hellfire clubs influence has shown gene this darker side of herself and even though they stopped the hellfire club she's very intrigued by and wants to explore this darker nature and so she goes off and then phoenix becomes dark phoenix And she wipes the floor with the X-Men because they can't handle her power. And she goes off into space and she destroys a star. She just just goes on this rampage. And it's like she's super evil at this point. She's just consumed with this lust for power. She's destroying things. And the X-Men are just sitting back like, yo, we can't beat her and then beast comes back to the fold angel comes back and they're trying to figure out a way to stop her and it's just like we can't figure out a way to beat her and then jane returns and she's kind of flipping in and out of of being super dark phoenix and just Jean gray and the x-men confront her and it goes and it's real it's a great battle it's back and forth and they keep trying to Like, okay, can we do this? Can we really hurt this person that we love? And it's this great conflict, which I think Dark Phoenix, the movie, just completely undersells because they've never taken the time to, one, develop Gene as a character or this greater team dynamic in general. It's just, it's terrible. I'm going to go into the movie in a second, but I just want to sum up the greatness it is this comic book. So Cyclops is... He, he is not fighting her. He's like, you know what? This is not going to work. I, I can't do this. And he just tries to talk to her. And that talking approach actually seems to work. Until Professor X hits her with a psychic blast. And that seems to get the job done well enough anyway. And, and Beast has whipped up a device to help Jean stay in control of Dark Phoenix. And everything's fine. But now the Shi'ar. Now... All of these galactic forces that were dealing with Dark Phoenix want their reckoning. And it's like, yo, it's time for you to pay for all of your horrible atrocities that you committed. And X-Men are like, what the heck? Gene, you did this? And I was like, we can't believe it. But she's our teammate. We love her. We're standing by her side. And we're going to fight with her. Even if you guys want to try to kill her. So we're going to fight and we're going to protect our friend. So then we get this big showdown on the moon. And it's the X-Men versus the Imperial Guard. Like I said before, they were already super outnumbered. But they're, they're just like, look, we'll, we'll do what we need to do for Gene. They've got Beast and they've got Angel. And it's only with so much more those two can help in this big fight. And Eventually, it comes down to Cyclops and Phoenix. And they are fighting the rest of the Imperial Guard. And things don't go so well. Cyclops gets knocked down. And that's all the trigger Jean needs to turn back into Dark Phoenix. Then she starts wiping out the Imperial Guard. And then the X-Men have to turn. And it's like, oh, shoot. Now we got to do this one more time. And then they start fighting Phoenix again. And this time, it's like, no mercy. We've got to stop her. Because if she goes all out again, there's no chance that we can stop her. So they really commit to this fight this time. And then, then Jean it's a little bit more control and she runs off and cyclops finds her in this tunnel and he's like look we can make this work and it's it's so it's so great it's like one of the more touching scenes of a couple in a comic right and Jean pushes him away and then she finds like a gun that's been buried under the surface of the city and uses it to kill herself and it's a really heroic really tragic moment and it's probably still now the most defining scene in the x-men where this character knows that she can't control her evil impulses and has to kill herself to save save the world save her friends save the man that she loves it's great and so that that's that's the comic book dark phoenix the phoenix saga now that's a lot of stuff to cover in one movie and i've always contended that if you want to tackle the x-men's phoenix saga you can't look at it from a let's try to wrap all this into one movie it's just not possible and there's no reason to i mean that, that is the thing can you imagine if if marvel studios decided to make the infinity quest infinity war one movie like they just like the start of the movie they start finding these infinity stones and then hey let's go get them and oh here's thanos now let's beat thanos i mean that's essentially what simon kenberg tried to do when with dark phoenix where he wrote and directed this film and kenberg came out and was like look i'm saying when a movie doesn't work put it on me i'm the writer director the movie didn't connect with audiences that's on me and here's and i'm like you're absolutely right that's on you i mean i give him credit for coming up and saying look that was on me but i just don't understand why anyone thought adapting dark phoenix was a good idea the story is 15 issues and it's not something you can sum up in two hours there's so many good x-men stories stories that would make for very easy films extinction agenda is one that you could make into one movie and it's something you could write and be done with and bam it's a good story great um they could even do a schism that's where cyclops and wolverine were on different sides and fighting for the future direction of the x-men that's something you could do in one movie as well but what their problem is and especially the, i mean oh boy there's so much anyway So Kenberg, he actually direct, or he actually co-wrote X-Men 3, The Last Stand. So he's already had a chance to do this Dark Phoenix story. And I've never seen anything where a guy had, who struck out mightily one time, gets a redo. And, you know, and, and they expect something different. So it's just like, that was a stupid mistake. And Dark Phoenix, let, let's break down all the problems with Dark Phoenix here. First off, these X-Men films, starting with X-Men First Class, well I guess to a larger degree, have centered around four characters. And the first trilogy, that was Wolverine, Professor X, Magneto, and Mystique. And if you're paying any attention, two of those are not X-Men um and I go even further and say that in the best X-Men stories Professor X he's there but he's not necessarily the center of a story and these films especially as we go into the first class era have shifted the attention and focus to Xavier, Magneto, Mystique and instead of Wolverine they've just put Beast in that place And the problem when you do that is you've got two, you got your two leaders who don't really get into the action all the time, and they're just kind of leading their troops basically. And and in all these X Men first class films, we've had that one go off Magneto moment, but that's not really Magneto's role in the larger X-Men universe, right? He's not always rallying everyone to come and fight alongside him to protect mutant kind. Sometimes he's just doing his own thing. And these X-Men films, biggest offense, biggest problem has always been they won't let go of the Magneto and Mystique Crutch. And those characters don't mean anything To the Dark Phoenix saga. But because we've thrown them in there. And we've made them such key figures in this trilogy. And the trilogy before that. There has to be some payoff and resolution with those characters. And Professor X is just there. And it's like well okay. And Beast is basically a non-factor in Dark Phoenix as well. So we've we've got Cyclops. We've got Jean Grey we got Storm, Wolverine, and to a lesser degree, Colossus and Nightcrawler who are pivotal core characters in the actual comic story who are left on the sidelines and have to just react. X-Men Apocalypse really should have used... that. That movie was the one if they were like, well, let's do Dark Phoenix. That's the film they should have transitioned from keeping the focus on Magneto beast mystique <laughs> professor x and shifted to cyclops and gene and and that one actually had storm as one of apocalypse's four horsemen so it was just it was an awful idea from the jump but when you do that you mess up that whole dynamic of the x-men and who these new generation of x-men are supposed to be and and to me the the big flaw was you've already done x-men you've already done an x-men trilogy with wolverine Xavier, Magneto Mystique as the focal characters. So when you've got this new one, why just follow those same footsteps? It's like, no, let's mix it up. I mean, people also associate Cyclops as the leader of the X-Men. Make him and Jean the focal point of Apocalypse and throw in more Nightcrawler. Give Colossus a better role so we don't have to go watch the Deadpool series to see a cool Colossus. And she and gives Storm a real presence. She's always just sitting in the background like, eh, hey guys, I'm going to shoot some lightning and maybe I'll hit a few toads or something. But, I mean, there's just so much. And they have constantly missed the point of the X-Men focusing on characters who aren't important. Uh, Mystique, it, you know, they got Jennifer Lawrence to play Mystique. And I just feel like they've felt obligated to keep her as a focal point in the series. And Mystique just she is she's such a non factor in the larger X Men comic universe. And I've always felt that she's been miscast as a as a core component of these films. She's to me somebody who should have been in one film and then we moved on from her character in general. So I've always had a problem with her. Magneto's a great villain. I mean he's he is iconic, one of the top five in in Marvel. But these films have never managed to do anything differently with him. Michael Fassbender is great, but gosh, I mean, he's somebody I really wish that Marvel Studios had just made their Magneto. And, you know, so we could have gotten some time away from Magneto, the character, and focus more on villains like Apocalypse, Mr. Sinister, Strife, Cameron Hodge, etc. Um, yeah, so, yeah, they, they've overkilled Magneto. And he doesn't add anything at all to dark phoenix he is just there i mean he's always got those cool action scenes and action moments but he doesn't bring anything new to this film so we're trying to fast forward and establish a relationship between gene and cyclops and dark phoenix and without any investment with with only well they were together in the first films There's no real connection here. I mean, they're trying to establish that chemistry, but it's like, eh, okay. And in the whole... I mean, Dark Phoenix really revolves around Gene and Scott and their relationship. And without that to center and balance the story, it feels like the most central aspect is missing. And Dark Phoenix doesn't do anything to establish that relationship any better. And Kenberg still keeps leaning on how can i make this story more about professor x beast and magneto and it's this weird tug of war with the narrative where it's like "Eh, let me go back and forth it's crazy also the x-men are treated as the avengers in dark phoenix they're heroes everybody loves them until they stop gene has one outburst and all of a sudden anti-mutant hysteria is is back on the menu. And they've got internment camps immediately set up. They've got power cells and restraints set up that quick so they can put the X-Men in custody. And it was set up in this way where, "Hey, maybe uh they've always been distrustful of the mutants and it's always been this behind the surface, beneath the surface kind of thing where, okay, you guys are cool until you start messing up, then we're going to come after you again." But Kenberg doesn't address that. There's an alien race that for some reason wants to try to use the Phoenix Force to set up their own homeworld, And it does the real impossible thing of making Jessica Chastain come across like a flat, boring, dull actress. And that took a lot of work. And I just felt like, man, how hard is it to do the Hellfire Club? Uh, yeah, they were in uh, X-Men First Class, but there's no reason why we can just bring them all back for this one and i thought that was another missed opportunity and something that wasn't necessary i mean there's no reason to bring an alien group in here without paying out the alien group and using them as an, the excuse to turn gene into dark phoenix and man i mean there, there's just there's so much wrong with this film and i just feel like when you look back on all of what 20th century fox did while holding the x-men license it's just this thing of so many missed opportunities like how hard was it to use the stories and establish a universe i mean they had beat marvel studios to the punch in setting up a franchise they had had these x-men films people loved these films back in 2000 2002 and they had all this goodwill And I think what they kind of messed up on was they kept sticking with Brian Singer a little bit too long. After X2, I think they really should have just never gone back to him. kept it, not necessarily going with guys like Brett Ratner, but going more on the Matthew Vaughn, let's stick with him, some other filmmakers who are real fans of the X-Men and who can take stories, not just as one installment, that we hop from one decade to the next, but actually tell a logical, cohesive story that's told over a small period of time. And I feel like those time jumps, you know, here's our movie for the for the 60s. Here's our movie, movie for the 70s and 80s and 90s. I mean, every movie in this first class era jumped ahead, a, you know, by a decade. And it didn't do anything. There was no purpose to it. Now you look at the Marvel Studios universe, for example. We've had films, we've had two, we've had five-year jumps. But things have occurred in those jumps that you could follow pretty easily. And, but for the most part, I mean, these things were occurring around the same time. And when there were time jumps, they made sense. We saw the impact. It was more than, hey, look, now we're in the 70s. Or, hey, we're in the 80s now. And we're going to a shopping mall. I mean this last one or jeez, yeah, this one was set in Dark Venus supposedly set in the nineties, but I can't tell you what was so nineties about it. Um yeah, there there's there's so much with these X Men films where it's like, man, you guys really blew good opportunities to tell stories. And after two thousand eight, I think those excuses kind of are gone. You know, it's like, okay, this is how Marvel's doing their films wow, that was really cool how they started Iron Man and that fed into the Avengers. Maybe we should try that with our own. Because when you look at it, there's no reason that the X-Men films never spun off into more films. I mean, gosh, when when they started, at the peak of their popularity, they had New Mutants. Then they had... That was like their first spinoff. Then it was like, well, let's go to another one. All right, here's X-Factor. And then it was X-Terminators. And then X-Force. And then another X Factor and Excalibur. There were so many different X books, and 20th Century Fox never managed to do anything else besides a Wolverine spinoff and besides Deadpool, which was clearly their biggest winner. But had they taken any kind of approach of like, hey, let's let's build this universe up, we could have we could have had an X Factor. X-Force, X Excalibur, Generation X. And there's so many franchises that they just were like, eh, let's just focus on Wolverine and Mystique and Magneto and Professor X. I think we're good here. And I think that just really set them up. And, and that's among many reasons why I'm really looking forward to seeing what Kevin Feige does when Marvel Studios finally brings him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because you know Kevin Feige is going (laughs) to go there's absolutely no reason why we won't have multiple X-Men films multiple X franchises we don't have to depend on the Avengers anymore because we've got so much that we can just tap into with this X-Universe and the key is setting it up Building it properly and then expanding it to five spinoffs culminated in one big X-Men movie. I mean, when you think about it, they could do a giant-sized X-Men that feeds into their version of the Phoenix saga, which then spins off into New Mutants and spins off into X-Factor. And then we've got those... And then we do one big, like, hey, here's our big X-Men event. And that's that's either Mutant Massacre or Inferno. Then we could take it further and then go, hey, let's go on and do an Extinction Agenda saga. I mean, there's there's so much stuff. And there's so many big payoff movie moments after an X-Men movie universe is fully expanded that the sky is so impressively the limit. And I can't wait to see what Kevin Feige does. And it's just a further indication of how bad Fox treated this property. I mean, they had a golden goose. And then we're just fine once it started crapping out copper and and, uh, tin. It's like, okay, this is good enough. While we're getting our minds blown away by films like Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. The end game for Dark Phoenix was a quickly smoldering pile of ashes that no one cared about because it wasn't going to burn any brighter. So that's my take on why Dark Phoenix failed. I think that we're really going to see some significant improvements when they are under the Marvel banner. Uh, Just like we've seen with the Spider-Man saga. Really looking forward to Spider Man Far From Home and seeing what they do to further build out this universe. Maybe we'll get some teases and hints on how the Fantastic Four and the X Men can be incorporated into the MCU from now on. But that is it for me. Like I said, we're going to have all the boys here uh, in a few more days. But I just want to get this out because I just had to clear my thoughts. And rant for a little bit about why Dark Phoenix was such a colossal box office failure. And just a reminder, I'm always writing, posing something, whether it's a figure review, a TV review. I'm, I'm almost, almost caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Fear of the Walking Dead. And I am... As of yet, undecided if I actually want to watch Jessica Jones' final season. The last of the Marvel Netflix shows. So if you want to see those recaps, let me know. And if enough people are interested, I will actually start reviewing those. So let me know. Um, Also, please follow me on Twitter. That's at Files. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. They do matter. They do help me figure out what you guys want to hear. And what you want us to discuss. So commenting is always welcome and also follow me on Facebook, Lyle's Movie Files, LMF and tune in every day to lylesmoviefiles.com. I'm out of here. Thanks so much for listening. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been filed.